Howdy, conversationalist. This is Adam from Orange County, California. I never listen to I Doubt It with Brittany Page and Macklemore because Jesse is the white Uncle Tom. Keep moving the conversation forward. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right. Welcome to the show. The beautiful show number 198 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore, and sitting across from me, all delicate and ladylike, the lovely, yet not so good under pressure, Brittany Page. I am horrible <laughs> under pressure. Horrible. I I was shocked by what transpired today. Mm-hmm. Shocked. Mm-hmm. I've known the lovely and talented Brittany Page for many years. Mm-hmm. Almost a decade. Mm-hmm. A decade. That's and a new one. I didn't know because you're so level-headed. You're so together uh-huh. that you are such a... How do I put it without being indelicate? A fucking spaz under pressure. I really am. I really am. Why don't you tell the story to which I'm referring? Okay, I'll try. So I was (laughs) heating up the rest of my apple blossom from Trader Joe's, which is a pastry that you cook in the oven. That is right. But I was heating up the rest of it in the microwave. Right, just popping it in the microwave. Yeah. Throw a little heat on it. Yeah, in a Tupperware dish with a lid loosely on top of it. Like you do anything. Like you'd heat up spaghetti. Just a normal, everyday routine occurrence. Yes. Yeah. And so there's like 13 seconds left. And for some reason, I just say, I'm going to open the door for the hell of it. And I open the door and this horrific smell... (laughs) comes out of the microwave and then there's smoke and uh, so it looks like it's about to s- be on fire because there's so much smoke yeah. the smell is horrible and then it's black it's black in there and so I pull it out and I just start <laughs> screaming and I'm like ah, it's on fire and I scream for you <laughs> to come save me yeah. because I was gonna light the entire area on fire well you screaming you were definitely screaming and i just took the tupperware out and put it in the sink how you say there was about 13 seconds left when you removed it yeah had you set the microwave for 20 or 30 minutes how long was it in there it was like two minutes which was probably too long yeah but not not long enough for it to have set on fire yeah so i don't know what that apple blossom is made of well it ruined you call it tupperware but it's just gladware that you buy at like target yeah uh, it was burned through. It's ruined. Yeah, it was ruined, and it smelled horrible. And seriously, the apple blossom was black. Yeah. It was like someone had lit it on fire. It was like there was metal in there, and it that happened to me one time. We were Russian. We had a tea time, and I tossed some, some Del Taco 
that was just wrapped in a paper bag. Oh, God. I just tossed, oh, here's my burrito from last night. Tossed it in the microwave. Right. And the foil wrap, it started on fire. Mm-hmm. So, Not good. But I didn't freak out like you did. Yeah, it would have been screaming. So Brittany all the time, she gets incensed. Eh, incensed might be a little harsh, but Brittany gets aggravated when she gets treated like a delicate lady. Yes, but I behaved like a delicate lady <laughs> in that instance and not being able to control my emotions and screaming for help when well, a you, relatively minor thing was occurring. Right. Well, you weren't you. I can't imagine how you would act in a, let's say, combat circumstance or a life and death situation, like a real emergency. Well, I don't uh, know. I don't know. I don't that know. was a test of what is to come. <laughs> I, I, it's, a, it's a little different when I'm like being personally threatened or something like that is involved. I, I don't know. I just, I think if my life was in danger or if, you know, a murderer broke in, you, I might, I might just die and you'd be hiding under the bed. No, like I said. Able to, to render, not able to render aid. No, like I said, if I'm protecting myself or others from a person, I think it's different because so, I've been in those situations. <laughs> so a fire is different. Yes, because I'm afraid <laughs> to get burned alive. Right. <laughs> and we don't have, I don't have a fire extinguisher in here. I don't know right. what's going on. Right, right. I don't know what the hell to do. It would be a very figure it out while everything is on fire kind of thing. Yeah. So I need to get a plan now. I need to put some stuff into motion now. <laughs> and so I'm prepared for this in the future. Seriously. Well, you are okay, so that is good. Yeah. And uh, my apple blossom, not so much. Not, not so good. Ruined. Yeah. So let's let's move on because we do have this is episode one hundred ninety eight, and we have a big, big show ahead of us. I didn't want to waste a ton of time in an, in an intro segment because this will probably be the episode that you steer your friends to, your whatever friends you might have who have fondness for Donald Trump, this should be the episode. I know we cover Donald Trump a lot on the show because of his madness, but this, I, the reason we do and the reason we're going to again is because of the fact that the media isn't doing a good enough job talking about the important issues and the substantive ones and the ones that absolutely should be drawn attention to and that should be sinking his candidacy, they're just not doing a good job. It's not going to be 100% Trump. We do have a Hillary Clinton thing. And also, a call from a listener. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. This is uh, Kevin from San Antonio, Texas, once more. And I wanted to touch upon the subject you're going along with uh, Black Lives Matter and Beyonce, the Beyonce performance in Super Bowl and the conservative or some of the conservative outrage against it. Um, I think I could sum it up in one term, and that term is uh, conservative, which, you know, is kind of a, a really more grotesque form of the term rhino because it combines cuck olding with uh, conservative. And I'm assuming that you two know cuck olding means men who take pleasure um, in their women having other sex with other men. And... A lot of white nationalists are using it because um, there's a lot of racial elements to it. You know, um, to typically speaking, African Americans vote for Democrats, 
and um, basically conservatives who appeal to African Americans are just doing it to get votes and things like that. So uh, I just think that explains why you gain these death threats and, and how grotesque this outrage is. Um, I don't know if you know who Macklemore is, but he's a right rapper. He's a pretty popular right rapper. And he recently released a song called White Privilege 2. And if you look at the comment section in the YouTube page, a lot of them just say, you're a cuck, you're a cucko, you're a conservative. And, you know, that's their only argument, that which is a complete ad hominem. It's the, it's the only argument because they, they can't see that there is an institutional, you know, form of racism in here. And you do have white privilege if you're a white person. I mean, that's just a fact, whether they like it or not. But because they go against their ethos, because they go against their um, their beliefs, you know, they have, they have to rationalize it any way they can. And they will do it by being a bully, thus to death threat. So I just, I wanted to, I guess, input my things and I mean, my two cents and just kind of say how grotesque this is coming, uh, this conversation is becoming, and I think it's always funny how conservatives on TV and Fox News always blame Obama about the division of race in our country, but never these people who use terms like these, and never people like Dylan Roof who actually go into churches and shoot up black people because they're black. So, uh, thank you. Uh, love the show. Brittany is the best part. Love the show. Brittany is the best part. Thank you, Kevin. Um, this really came at the perfect time because on your your YouTube videos, this has been the overwhelming consensus yeah, it's, with it's the commenters. Very funny. Well, I'm being called a cuck. Cuckservative is kind of a nice little spin on on the the epithet. I haven't heard that before. Mm-hmm. I don't. Well, maybe I haven't read. There's been thousands of YouTube comments, but I haven't read that one before. I have the cuck and the libtard and the regressive and. All these, you know, I'm, I'm, I have white guilt. All this shit that is just does not apply to me <laughs> at all. It just doesn't apply. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, whatever. I mean, they're gonna, you know, the 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 ire has been amped up, ratcheted up quite a bit since I did another video dealing with a lot of the stuff we're gonna get to today. But I won't. It's about Donald Trump, so we're, we'll we'll get into that. I, I would say thanks for the call. Um, and Kevin did call and left another voicemail on another topic. And I would just say this. This message is directly to Kevin. Don't mix your metaphors, Kevin. Uh, the death penalty and torture are different because torture, there's an alive person at the end of it. And the death penalty, there's not. So reformulate that, call back in, and we will absolutely address it. All right. Back to the the audience at large. Let's uh, let's get into this. Let's Let's get into the regular show. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right, now before we get going on the Trump train, <laughs> as it were, let's 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 deal with this Hillary Clinton thing that I've been wanting to talk about and we just never end up having time. Hillary Clinton has been prodded about releasing the transcripts to these speeches that she has given for large sums of money that she has given to the banking industry. 
the speculative banking industry. And she has said that she would be happy to look into that. Mm -hmm. So she keeps saying, oh, I'll look into that. Oh, we're going to look into that. We're going to look into that. Well, at a recent town hall, Chris Cuomo cornered her on stage about it. Now, I notice you did not bring me any package of paper tonight of speech transcripts. <laughs> Earlier tonight, I asked Senator Sanders, will right. you give your transcripts of speeches? That's what you said. When the others give, then I'll give. Right. He said he doesn't have the bank speeches. If he can find any of the speeches that he did give for money, he will gladly give the transcripts up. So, will you agree to release these transcripts? They have become an issue. Sure, if everybody does it, and that includes the Republicans, because we know they have uh, made a lot of speeches. But look, what is this about? This is about whether I have the best plan to go after Wall Street, whether I have a record that already demonstrates my willingness to take on Wall Street and financial uh, interests. And there's no question about that. I did it before the 08 crash. I have done it since in this campaign. I have been absolutely clear. And a lot of people have said I have the most comprehensive, effective, comprehensive plan to make sure that Wall Street never wrecks Main Street again. I've also said I will use the tools that President Obama achieved in the Dodd-Frank uh, regulations, best, tightest regulations we've had in a long time. And they provide the opportunity to break up the banks if they pose systemic risks. And I've said that I would do that uh, if that uh, becomes the case. All the more reason move this as an issue. You know everybody's not going to bring up uh, their transcripts. There'll well, be a hundred reasons why. Why is there one standard for me and not for everybody else, Fred? I mean, you know, at, at some point, at some point, you know, look, I'm on record. I have a record. It certainly is far different from the Republicans because they think actually and have said that the cause of the Great Recession was too much regulation on Wall Street, which is an absolute joke. I have been upfront and strong on this issue for a long time, as strong, I would argue, as my esteemed opponent. So, you know what, if people are going to ask for things, everybody should be on a level playing field, and I'm happy uh, if that were the case. You do understand, though, the temptation of the unknown. I don't have to explain this to you. You understand that when people but there ask is, there for is, But with all due respect, there is no unknown. I am record. I went to Wall Street before the Great Recession. I called them out. I said, what they were doing in the mortgage market was going to cause serious problems. I called for reining in CEO pay. I called for ending the loophole that lets hedge fund managers get a lower tax rate. I have been on record for a really long time. I've now put forth a plan. It's in the public arena. I want people to hold me accountable because that's what I'll do. The other part of this, which I find you know, somewhat uh, concerning, actually, is the argument seems to be, that if you ever took money from any business of any kind, then you can't fulfill your public responsibilities. Well, that's just not the case. I mean, President Obama took an enormous amount of money, more than anybody ever had, from Wall Street in 2008 when he was successful in his election. And then he turned around and pushed through the toughest regulations that we've seen since the Great Depression. So the argument just doesn't hold up. It is awesome that Chris Cuomo gave her enough room, enough rope, as it were, to hang herself mm -hmm. because she just got to talk and talk and talk and let me dismantle, if you will, her completely bullshit argument. First of all, why is there a different standard for me 
than who? Than who, Hillary Clinton? Right. Why is there a different standard for you than the Republicans? Is because no one questions whether the Republicans are in the pockets of the big banks. They mm-hmm. know they are. No one questions that. No one is questioning whether Bernie Sanders is in the pockets of the big banks. It's clear he is not. You're the only one at the table right now who has drawn question. That is why you need to put it to bed, lay it to rest. Let the American people know what is it that you said in these speeches. It's the same reason we're asking for Donald Trump's tax returns. Right. That is why. The other thing I'd like to point out is this little gem. I went to Wall Street before the Great Recession. I called them out. I said what they were doing in the mortgage market was going to cause serious problems. You went to Wall Street before the Great Recession and you called them out. How effective was that? How much, how much efficacy was there in you, quote unquote, calling them out? We still have the Great Recession. There still was the banking bubble, the housing bubble, the collapse of our economy. That still happened. So you calling them out didn't do a fucking thing. Yikes. The other thing is this. That if you ever took money from any business of any kind, then you can't fulfill your public responsibilities. Well, that's just not the case. I mean, President Obama took an enormous amount of money, more than anybody ever had, from Wall Street in 2008 when he was successful in his election and then he turned around and pushed through the toughest regulations obama first of all she's cozying up to obama once again because he's constantly all the time but he took more money than anybody and then he turned around and what did he do did he oh my god look at all of the criminals in the banking industry that he jailed look at all of the the indictments and prosecutions that happened after Obama laid down the hammer. It's total bullshit. Obama did nothing. Obama did nothing. And the reason, I would presume, he did nothing, that there wasn't a single prosecution, is because his pockets were lined with the money of big banks. So what bothered me about this clip wasn't necessarily anything Hillary Clinton said, although, of course, I was bothered by that. Let me guess. The audience cheering. Yes. (laughs) So they cheered for her after she said that, uh, why am I held to a standard, a different standard than other people? And and then they start cheering. Yeah. What? You're not sitting there wondering what she's talking about as well? Because I'm sitting here wondering, what is she talking about? I wish that she could be more specific. Right. But they well, just they don't love be that in, They talking. don't want to be informed voters. They just want to be rah, rah, rah. They're, they're much like the Donald Trump team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Ugh. So this isn't the only Hillary Clinton news. We don't really do a lot of on Hillary Clinton. So I, I wanted to you know, make this a little special for the audience. <laughs> you may have heard that Hillary Clinton is in the news once again for some comments she made in 1996, which prompted a Black Lives Matter protester to buy a ticket to a fundraiser and interrupt her speech. First, I want to play the comment that she made back in 1996 about super predators. Young, 
black males who may or may not have been criminals. I'm not going to make that adjudication. But she called them super predators and said we need to bring them to heel. Not just gangs of kids anymore. They are often the kinds of kids that are called super predators. No conscience, no empathy. We can talk about why they ended up that way, but first we have to bring them to heel. So that was controversial. I don't know how controversial it actually is. But it, it bothered a certain Black Lives Matter protester in Charlotte, or from Charlotte. This was in South Carolina at a fundraiser. This took place. We're making sure that South Carolina became the first state with body cameras. There's more work to be done, but you got to lay down these markers. you got to build toward uh, common sense uh, gun reform, criminal justice uh, uh, reform, and all the like. So I think we've got a very... Uh, We've got somebody saying here, we have we to bring to them for mass to heal. Okay, we'll we, talk I'm about I'm not it. a super predator, Hillary Clinton. Okay, fine, we'll talk can about it. Can you apologize to black people for mass incarceration? Well, can I talk? And then maybe yes. you can listen to what I say. Okay, fine. Thank you very much. Um, there's a lot of issues, a lot of issues in this campaign. The very first speech that I gave back in April, was about criminal justice reform and about predators. Be rude. It's not appropriate. This is not appropriate. Yeah, you want to hear the facts and just want to talk. I know that you called black youth predators in 1994. Please explain it to us. Explain it to us. You owe a black woman an apology. Excuse us. That's inappropriate, please. You know what? Nobody's ever asked me before. You're the first person to ask me, and I'm happy to address it, but you are the first person to ask me here. Um, okay, back to the issues. Thank you. The issues that I think are important. What a difference in crowds compared to Donald Trump. These are the right, most calm, right. angry people I've ever heard from. <laughs> she was escorted out. Yes, but I'm saying the reactions from the audience, you could hear them. Hey, quit doing that. That's inappropriate. Stop. <laughs> stop interrupting her. Right before <laughs> there were actual words spoken, you heard this. Like they were snakes hissing at her. Huh. It was really weird. That's very weird. But how dismissive. Of course. Is Hillary Clinton there? It's ridiculous. Do you just want to talk or do you want to hear the facts? She was kind of hateful yeah, about it. Yeah. Well, in stark contrast, let me tell you, th- this this little bit of audio I'm getting ready to play, you may have heard it this week on Facebook, but Killer Mike is a he's a rapper. I guess he's a rapper. I, I don't know that I've ever heard anything he's ever done musically, but he gave a speech in support of Bernie Sanders at a Bernie Sanders rally that is very moving, and it really juxtaposes the two approaches to the Black Lives Matter issue, to the Black Lives Matter protesters and their, their, their people. If you remember, several months ago, Bernie Sanders was on stage. I think it might have been in Seattle. I don't know. And two or three black girls interrupted his speech, and he took a few steps back from the microphone, clasped his hands in front of him, and let them have the stage. He let them have the microphone to say their piece. Before, Even tried to shake one of their hands. That's exactly right. Before moving back to the microphone, after they were done, to finish his thoughts. He gave them the space to air their grievances. 
some would argue that's that's terrible, Donald Trump being one of them. But I don't know. I, I'm not, I wouldn't be so quick to make that judgment. I think it's arguable that it was a good, good thing. It certainly stands in stark contrast to the way Hillary Clinton deals with these type of issues. But here is Killer Mike doing an unbelievable job of drawing the distinction. When you have an opportunity to tell two black girls to shut up and get off stage and you don't, and you shake their hand and you smile and you step to the side and you listen, that is a firm difference from turning around and staring at a little black girl and saying, shut up, I'll talk to you later. You're being rude or allowing people to say that to her. I'm going to tell you the proof is in the pudding every time. If I can find a picture of you from 51 years ago, chained to a black woman, protesting segregation, and I know 51 years later, you're willing to fold your arms, hold your head, and listen to two black girls yell and scream, rightfully so, as opposed to someone who will tell you to shut up after they read their own words. As opposed to someone who will tell you later when it comes to your children dying in the streets I know I know that the only person that I have the conscience to vote for is Bernard Sanders I know that the only person that my logical beautiful black mind will allow me to vote for is Senator Bernie Sanders and I want to tell the other side I know from going around and shaking hands and hugging these beautiful black faces in South Carolina, that goddamn firewall got a crack in it. Um, okay, back to the issues. Thank you. Um, the issues that I think are What a great way to end that little segment, though, is with video of Hillary Clinton as they're walking the Black Lives Matter protester out. As they're walking her out, Hillary Clinton turns smugly and says, okay. Back to the issues. Hateful. Kind of indicating, all right, now that there's the distraction has been removed, the person who wanted to talk about things that aren't important, let's get back to the business at hand. Right. I would also like to point out that that room was like 99% white. Mm -hmm. White fundraising for a white candidate. Tone deaf. And liberals. Yeah, and, which and, liberals are supposed to be better than this, right? right? The the supporters of Hillary Clinton, not not so good. All right, let's we've kind of gotten into the race thing, but let's let's move into the Donald Trump stuff. It is an alarming thing that is happening that is also being absolutely ignored until today by the media. The fact that. The KKK and several white supremacist, white nationalist groups are coming out, not just in support, but endorsing Donald Trump. There is a PAC out there, the national, the American National Super PAC, run by a guy named William Johnson. And he is running these robocalls across the country. The American National Super PAC makes this call to support Donald Trump. I am William Johnson, a farmer and white nationalist. The white race is dying out in America and Europe because we are afraid to be called racist. 
This is our mindset. It's okay that our government destroys our children's future, but don't call me racist. I'm afraid to be called racist. It's okay to give away our country through immigration, but don't call me racist. It's okay that few schools anymore have beautiful white children as a majority, but don't call me racist. Gradual genocide against the white race is okay, but don't call me racist. I'm afraid to be called racist. Donald Trump is not a racist, but Donald Trump is not afraid. Don't vote for a Cuban. Vote for Donald Trump. 213-718-3908. This call is not authorized by Donald Trump. So this is disgusting. Absolutely. And Don't vote for a Cuban, Brittany Page. Yeah, it, it makes you wonder what year we're in. But again, <laughs> I'll just remind you that right. it's 2016. And I know you were expecting him to say that he's, you know, like a nuclear physicist or... <laughs> Like a social scientist, but no, he's a farmer. I know you're shocked. Um, I should have. I should have run this over the robocall. The American National Super PAC makes this call to support Donald Trump. <laughs> but but really, this is, I mean, I just, I'm so disturbed by this. You know, the, the beautiful white children comment. I mean, I'm just so disturbed by this. But you know who should be more disturbed is Donald Trump. Absolutely. He should be distancing himself as fast as his little legs will carry him in talking to anyone who will listen, that he wants no part of this. But? But he's not. <laughs> he is absolutely not. He was on with Jake Tapper talking about this very issue, and this was the exchange. I want to ask you about the Anti-Defamation League, which this week called on you to publicly condemn unequivocally the racism of former... KKK Grand Wizard David Duke, who re-said that voting against you at this point would be treason to your heritage. Will you unequivocally condemn David Duke and say that you don't want his vote or that of other white supremacists in this election? Well, just so you understand, I don't know anything about David Duke, okay? I don't know anything about what you're even talking about with uh, white supremacy or white supremacists. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, did, did he endorse me or what's going on? Because, you know, I know nothing about David Duke. I know nothing about white supremacists. And so you're asking me a question that I'm supposed to be talking about people that I know nothing about. But I guess the question from the, from the Anti-Defamation League is, even if you don't know about their endorsement, there are these groups and individuals endorsing you. Would you just say unequivocally you condemn them and you don't want their support? Well, I have to look at the group. I mean, I don't know what group you're talking about. You wouldn't want me to condemn a group that I know nothing about. I'd have to look. If you would send me a list of the groups, I will do research on them. And certainly I would disavow if I thought there was something wrong. The but you Ku may Klux have Klan? groups in there that are totally fine and it would be very unfair. So give me a list of the groups and I'll let you know. Okay. I mean, I'm just talking about David Duke and the Ku Klux Klan here, but... I don't know. Any, honestly, I don't know David Duke. I don't believe I've ever met him. I'm pretty sure I didn't meet him, and I just don't know anything about him. White Suprema. Can you repeat that word, J. Tab? <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna have to. Can I get a dictionary? I need to look this up. Right. I don't. What is a white supremacist? K K K K what? The Ku Klux what? The K K cupcake makers so again donald trump you are almost 70 years old right. 69 years old you know what white supremacist means and you, you know what the kkk is you also absolutely do know who david duke is because in in uh whatever year it was when you previously were considering running for president under the reform party you distance yourself then because you said david duke wasn't the type of person you wanted to be associated with well now you're a little closer to the white house 
And seemingly, you know that that might be the road to get you there is through racists and white supremacists and members of the KKK. So now it's open arms. It's a bummer. And the media, this is what I did a video on the day before yesterday, I guess two days ago, three days ago for you guys. This is getting confusing. Very confusing. (laughs) And... So Saturday, I put out the video. On Sunday, we wake up to headlines that are talking about the very same thing. So Mm -hmm. hopefully this sticks. Hopefully. Hopefully they hold his goddamn feet to the fire and do their fucking jobs. Well, because Ted Cruz and Mark Rubio have taken this opportunity to start attacking Donald Trump for this issue. Right. Tweeting him saying that Ted Cruz is taking a page out of Donald Trump's playbook because he says, really sad. Oh, right. <laughs> That's how he started his tweet, talking about how Donald Trump won't just come out and say, no, I don't want the KKK's support. Right. And I saw an article um, in the New York Times. It was published in May of 1984, and it was about Ronald Reagan. And it was Ronald Reagan's response to the Klan's support. He said that he had, quote, no tolerance for what the Klan stands for. And he said, quote, those of us in public life can only resent the use of our names by those who seek political recognition for the repugnant doctrines of hate they espouse. The politics of racial hatred and religious bigotry practiced by the Klan and others have no place in this country and are destructive of the values for which America has always stood. Absolutely. Now, that is what Ronald Reagan said. And everyone talks about Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan. Right. Well, this is how he responded to the KKK. So, Donald Trump, your move. He needs to act in kind. Right. Well, this isn't the only thing that's disturbing this week that Donald Trump has done or is talking about. Brittany and I had a conversation off mic, obviously. And it really is, he's leading us to a place where you really do have to start making comparisons between he and certain fascist dictators, whether it be Mussolini or whether it be Hitler. I realize the comparison doesn't hold up with late Hitler, who killed millions and millions of people, but it certainly do. Those certainly do hold up under scrutiny of, you know, Hitler in 1925, let's say. He came out this week and made a call to open up, this is his quote, open up our libel laws to put more pressure on journalists, which in turn would be subverting the First Amendment of our Constitution. I'll tell you what, I think the media is among the most dishonest groups of people I've ever met. The New York Times, which is losing a fortune, which is a failing newspaper, which probably won't be around that much longer, but probably somebody will buy it as a trophy, keep it going for a little longer. But I think the New York Times is one of the most dishonest media outlets I've ever seen in my life. The worst. The worst. The absolute worst. They have an agenda that you wouldn't believe. And they're run by incompetent people. They are totally incompetently run. Washington Post, I have to tell you, I have respect for Jeff Bezos, but he bought the Washington Post to have political influence. And I got to tell you, we have a different country than we used to have. 
We have a different, he owns Amazon. He wants political influence so that Amazon will benefit from it. That's not right. And believe me, if I become president, oh, do they have problems. They're going to have such problems. Why would you cheer for that? Yeah. And one of the things I'm going to do, and this is only going to make it tougher for me, and I've never said this before, but one of the things I'm going to do if I win, and I hope I do, and we're certainly leading, is I'm going to open up our libel laws so when they write purposely negative and horrible and false articles, we can sue them and win lots of money. We're going to open up those libel laws so that when the New York Times writes a hit piece, which is a total disgrace, or when the Washington Post, which is there for other reasons, writes a hit piece, we can sue them and win money instead of having no chance of winning because they're totally protected. You see, with me, they're not protected because I'm not like other people, but I'm not taking money. I'm not taking their money. So we're going to open up those libel laws, folks, and we're going to have people sue you like you never got sued before. We won with poorly educated. I love the poorly educated. (laughs) Who do they think he's talking about when he says we are going to sue them and win lots of money? Do they think it's them Do they think it's them that the New York Times is going to write a quote-unquote hit piece about? Mm -hmm. The New York Times doesn't give a fiddling fuck about the audience at a Trump rally. They're certainly not going to write a hit piece about Toothless Joe and Maggie, his wife. They're just not going to do that. When he says we... He means me. Well, that's what's terrifying about them cheering when he says this, which is this is a very fundamental principle right. of the United States. He's talking about dismantling our Constitution, the first amendment, the very first one. And these are supposed to be the people who love the Constitution the right. most. Absolutely. Who want to protect the Constitution the most. I I don't understand it. It is disturbing. And this is terrifying. In a second item this week, how he is going to completely disregard the sacredness of our governing document, there was this about putting churches back into political influence. We have more Christians, think of this, than we have men or women in our country. And we don't have a lobby. Wait, what? We have more Christians than we have men or women in our country. That, I, I don't know. If I you're... don't think that's possible to have more. Or does he mean more Christians worldwide? I, I, I am not the person to ask to <laughs> decipher a Donald Trump speech. <laughs> All right, let's restart it. We have more Christians, think of this, than we have men or women in our country. And we don't have a lobby. Because they're afraid to have a lobby because they don't want to lose their tax status. So I am going to work like hell to get rid of that prohibition. And we're going to have the strongest Christian lobby. And it's going to happen. And it's going to happen. This took place during the presidency of Lyndon Johnson. And it has had a terrible, 
chilling effect. When I said that there has to be a temporary ban on certain people coming into this country, we have no choice. There's something wrong. There's something really wrong. And when I said Muslim, I was met with furor. If I would have said Christian, people would have said, oh, we can't do anything about it. That's going to end, folks. We're going to say Merry Christmas now on Christmas. Oh, you couldn't say it before? Right. We're going to start going to department stores and stores, and you're going to see big, beautiful signs that's going to say, Merry Christmas and Happy Holiday. And we're going to have a big, big, big lot of fun. And we're going to get rid of that. We're going to work very hard. That's one of the first things I want to do. I want to get rid of that. We won with poorly educated. I love the poorly educated. They're going to have a lot of big, big, big lot of fun. Well, what is he going to do as president of the United States to mandate, to dictate to private business that they put up Merry Christmas signs? Mm-hmm. Well, the most alarming part of this, though, was the first part of this, where he talks about putting, getting a political lobby together and influencing the government using religion. Mm-hmm. That is a clear violation of the separation of church and state. Just as the government cannot be involved in your church. Your church cannot be involved in the government. That is why they have struck a deal. You do your thing over there in your church, and we won't char- We won't tax you. You get to keep that money. You're special. You're different than Jesse Dollimore. We're going to tax him. You're different and better than Brittany Page. We're going to tax her, but you... You get to keep your money, but the only trade-off is you don't get to have undue political influence in the system. So this is really scary. And the thing is, when, you know, a few months ago when this whole thing started and he announced he's running for president, everyone thought it was a joke. No one thought it would get here. No one thought... Right. That we would be here at the end of February going into Super Tuesday and Donald Trump is still leading the Republican Party. Right. With a the, the, the odds are he will get the nomination. The odds are he's right. getting the nomination. Marco Rubio still has a fighting chance, but it is diminishing primary by primary. It's I mean, I'm so shocked at the state of affairs. I just I don't know what to say. It is alarming. Well, here's the, another thing. They just keep coming. <laughs> oh, God. Everyone's heard about the wall that Donald Trump will build and make Mexico pay for it. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about how different Mexican leaders have said, no, no, or <laughs> I guess it is no in Spanish still. No, no, we won't. Yes. Well, here's Vincente Fox, former president of Mexico, being interviewed about this very topic. Mr. President, there are some in the United States who believe that by you making these comments to Donald Trump, in fact, helps Donald Trump, that it sort of elevates him, uh, puts him on the world stage, uh, and for his supporters, confirms what they already believe. He says he's going to bring back America to what it was. That's crazy. Never, never before America, United States, was so big, so strong, 
so powerful, so successful as it is today. He's going to take that nation back to the old days of uh, of uh, uh, conflict, war, and everything. It's a, it's a. I mean, he he remembers me of Hitler. Uh, that's the way he started speaking. You, you're really saying he reminds you of Adolf Hitler? I, I, I tell you that he reminds me of Hitler because we just have to see the sweet talking that Hitler had at the beginning. And if it is, he's going to use the executive power to do what he likes without considering that he has a Congress there, that in the Congress there are Republicans and Democrats, that he has a judiciary, that he has governors, that he has a very solid uh, citizenship. And, and that is a democracy that should be the example for the rest of the world. So he's behaving very, very, very poorly. Absolutely. And as part of many different interviews that Vincente Fox has done, he has said that we are not going to pay for that fucking wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, during the debate the other night, it was asked about this very thing, and Donald Trump, in maybe the largest show of hypocrisy that has ever been recorded, <laughs> he said this. Mr. Trump, your campaign, as you well remember, began with the idea of building a wall along the southern border, it's about ahead. 315 miles southwest of where we are right now. You've said the Mexican government will pay for it. Correct. The spokesman for the current president of Mexico says that will never happen. The last two presidents of Mexico say that will never happen. In fact, the former president uh, of Mexico, Vicente Fox, he said today, and I'm quoting him, he said, I'm not going to pay for that, quote, effing wall. So if you don't uh, get an actual check from the Mexican government for 8 or 10 or $12 billion, whatever it will cost, how are you going to make them pay for the wall? I will, and the wall just got 10 feet taller, believe me. It's got 10 feet taller. I saw him make that dis I saw him make the statement. I saw him use the word that he used. I can only tell you, if I would have used even half of that word, it would have been national scandal. This guy used a filthy, disgusting word on television, and he should be ashamed of himself, and he should apologize, okay? Oh, get over yourself. <laughs> right. You can hear the laughter at Donald Trump coming from the audience. You talk about period blood and all kinds of ridiculous BS. Right. Absolutely ridiculous. So... He's doubling down on this. And we we went into detail about the what took place during the debate and how Marco Rubio really was a pit bull, really was an attack dog. And uh, the next day after the debate, Marco Rubio was out on the on the campaign trail in Dallas and he gave a speech. And it wasn't your normal Marco Rubio you know, just typical campaign speech. These can't, these politicians, they give the same speech over and over and over because they're giving them all over the country. This one was clearly different. But now we are being asked to choose once again, what will it mean in the 21st century? So if the polls are to be believed and the election results from some of these states continue to go, then we have to view what will the conservative movement be like if the front runner in this race right now, Donald Trump, is put in charge 
of the conservative movement. So last night we had a chance to talk about that. At the debate, he means. It's time to pull his mask off so that people can see what we are dealing with here. What we are dealing with here, my friends, is a con artist. He is a con artist. First of all, he runs on this idea that he is fighting for the little guy. But he has spent his entire career sticking it to the little guy. His entire career. All right, every business that he's ever run that's gone bankrupt. I mean, this guy bankrupted a casino. How do you bankrupt a casino? <laughs> How do you bankrupt a casino? All right, but when all of these other projects went bankrupt, you know the first people that didn't get paid? The electricians and the plumbers and the subcontractors. Some of them went out of business because he didn't pay them. He says he's fighting for the little guy. What about the students that signed up for Trump University? A fake school. A fake school. Some of them took out loans. They told them, go max your credit cards. $36,000. And at the end of the course, the thing you got was a paper certificate and a picture with a, cutboard, cut, a cardboard cutout of Donald Trump. He says he's fighting for the little guy, but in Florida, my home state, right now, he is hiring workers from other countries because he claims no Americans will do those jobs. This is the guy that says he's fighting to protect the American worker in Florida. There are 300 people that said, we'll take those jobs, Americans. He doesn't hire them. Instead, he brings in workers from abroad to do those jobs, and he goes on television saying, oh, we can't find qualified people to do that work. And there are qualified people raising their hands saying, we'll do that work. We have a guy that last night spent literally 30 seconds defending Planned Parenthood. He did it better than Harry Reid does it. This is what's trying to take over the conservative movement. It is time to open our eyes and see what's happening here. For the first time in 36 years, if Donald Trump is elected, the conservative movement will be, will be headed up by somebody who says that when it comes to Israel and the Palestinians, he's not taking sides. Well, I'm taking sides. I'm with Israel. We had a guy yesterday that was saying on the stage, oh, if you don't support government takeover of health care, then you're in favor of letting people die in the streets. Well, I've heard that before in the Democratic debate from Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. So it's time the charade is up. This is a con job where he's going to Americans that are struggling, Americans that are hurting, and he's implying, I'm fighting for you because I'm a tough guy. A tough guy? This guy inherited $200 million. He's never faced any struggle. He's never faced... The other day he told somebody, a protester, I'm going to punch in the face. Donald Trump has never punched anyone in the face. <laughs> Donald Trump was the first guy that begged for Secret Service protection. First guy. He's never punched anyone in the face. He inherited $200 million. I said it last night. If he had not inherited $200 million right now, he would be selling watches in Times Square. <laughs> or be doing one of those infomercials on Saturday morning where he promises to teach you how to flip properties, right? <laughs> so we unmasked him last night. And let me tell you, it's time for you to unmask him as well. I bet you you all know... 
You all have friends. You all have friends that are thinking about voting for Donald Trump. Friends, do not let friends vote for con artists. So this begins. It's not over. The second part of this speech (laughs) where he really hits stride and you can see he's having a good goddamn time. All right. So you want to have a little fun? All right. What does Donald Trump do when things go wrong? He takes to Twitter. I have them right here. Let's read some. You'll have fun. (laughs) All right. Number one. Here's the first one. Lightweight Marco Rubio was working hard last night. This is true. (laughs) The problem is he is a chalker. And once a chalker, always a choker. I guess that's what he meant to say. He spelled choker, C-H-O-K-E-R, chalker. He called me Mr. Meltdown. Let me tell you something. Last night in the debate during one of the breaks, two of the breaks, he went backstage. He was having a meltdown. First, he had this little makeup thing applying, like, makeup around his mustache because he had one of those sweat mustaches. Then... Then he asked for a full-length mirror. I don't know why, because the podium goes up to here, but he wanted a full-length mirror. Maybe to make sure his pants weren't wet. I don't know. (laughs) Then... (laughs) Then I see him pacing back and forth, and then he's huddled in the corner talking to somebody. He's like waving his arms up and down, and the person's trying to calm him down. So, anyway. But I'm I'm a chalker. All right. Next tweet, Leet weight chalker Marco Rubio looks like a little boy on stage, not presidential material. He meant to say lightweight, but he spelled it E-L-E-I-G-H-T, so he, he got that wrong. Yikes. Looks like a little boy on stage. It's not that I look like a little boy. I wouldn't even be the youngest president, but he would be the oldest president ever elected. And it's like an eight-year term, so you start to worry. <laughs> All right. Last one. Wow, every poll said I won the debate last night. No, this was him about himself, okay? (laughs) Great honor. I think he meant to say great honor. I don't know how he got that wrong because the E and the O were nowhere near each other on the keyboard. (laughs) Great honor. All right. So, here's what I... Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So, how does this guy... Not one tweet, three tweets misspell words so badly. And I only reached two conclusions. Number one, that's how they spell those words at the Wharton School of Business, where he went. Or number two, just like Trump Tower, he must have hired a foreign worker to do his own tweets. (laughs) All right. So, guys, we have a con artist as the front runner in the Republican Party. A guy, a guy who has made a career out of telling people lies so that they come in and buy his product or whatever he does. You ever heard of Trump vodka? You have? Well, it doesn't around anymore. Or Trump mattress? Or Trump air? Or Trump ice? Or Trump water? Those are all businesses that are gone because they were a disaster. Because they were a disaster, sorry. I jumped the gun there. So this is where ad graminum is really important. And that's a variation on ad hominem where you attack the person's grammar. And, you know, we need a president who can spell things. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, also, it's, it's effective because in this forum... 
He's just rallying the troops. He's not really making a an intellectual critique of Donald Trump's stupidity. Well. <laughs> but those tweets aren't around anymore, or at least those specific tweets aren't. He deleted them and fixed his spelling after this whole speech. Yeah, after millions of people or at least thousands of people got screen grabs. Yes. I retweeted with comment on the Honer one and went back a couple hours later and this tweet is no longer available. So it's just me replying to something that's not there. <laughs> yes, because that's what happens when tweets get deleted. Yeah. I think there should be a policy that once something gets retweeted, then it's in it's out there and it can't be taken back. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Trump University keeps coming up, and I just want to quickly talk about what it was. It wasn't a real university. In fact, they had to change their name to Trump Entrepreneur Institute because it wasn't a university. That's right. It was a seminar program that promised to teach its students the real estate secrets that turned Donald Trump into a billionaire. And Is lesson one, go get a multi-million dollar loan from your father? I don't know. <laughs> but people paid as much as $35,000 to go to this quote-unquote school. Yeah. And now there is a lawsuit. Um, Many lawsuits. Yeah, because these people feel that they were ripped off. Mm -hmm. Well, he, he claimed somewhere, I read this today, that he claimed that they had an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. Well, they don't exist anymore, so they don't have any rating. But when in 2011, when it went under, they had a D minus with the Better Business Bureau. So he's not being honest about that. So kind of going off that, I want to talk about Melania Trump really quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's come out that she donated to Hillary Clinton's campaign in 2006. Wow. Now, that was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And she donated $2,000 to Clinton's campaign. Clearly, they're they're conservative Republicans. Apparently, very conservative. <laughs> well, it's not going to... It's one more thing. What's her excuse going to be? That she's also just a businessman? And that <laughs> I'm not a politician. I Everybody loves me. Yeah, who knows? Ugh. Well, that kind of leads me. That leads me into the next topic. BuzzFeed has done a little journalistic digging and found many different things from the different appearances that Donald Trump has made. Wannabe President of the United States making up multiple appearances over the years on Howard Stern's radio show. Mm, so they talked about politics mostly and oh, kept things clean. Absolutely. <laughs> the clips I'm going to play are from 2005, 7, and 2008. This first one alarming since the the voters who are so fervently in support of Donald Trump I love the poorly educated are family values type folks evangelical type folks religious type folks well this is Donald Trump on with Howard Stern talking about possibly having a kid with his then new wife Melania beyond that so and you're you going to have a great relationship and you're going to have more kids I think so, yeah. Really? Believe yeah, sure. I will. What do you need that headache for? Because I like kids. I mean, I won't do anything to take care of them, but she'll take, I'll supply the funds and <laughs> right. she'll take care of the kids, right? And then so what, it's not and like what does a big that mean? Deal. You know, it's not like I'm going to be walking the kids down Central Park. What, but are you gonna feeling have to interact. like a, you have an empty nest or something? <laughs> well, Marley used to say, I can't believe you're not walking Tiffany down the street, you know, in a carriage, right? Yeah. I'm going right. to be walking down Fifth Avenue with a baby in a carriage. Is and it, it just didn't work. 
Is that Melania what... is very, very self I mean, she'd be an amazing mother. Right. And she's self-contained. She doesn't need you involved. In... She would take care, great care of the child without my having to do very much. But aren't you like me in a sense? He laughs and scoffs while saying... I won't do anything to take care of the kid. Well, I also like how he was laughing at the idea of pushing the kid in the stroller. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's not really going to work out. Right, being a father, being a dad. Uh, it's not really going to work out. That what is it going to do to you to push the stroller? What's the problem? He's with pushing the stroller. He's cool guy. He's celebrity guy. He can't be seen walking down the street pushing the stroller because of right. what? I'm still not understanding. Well, the conversation devolved into a sexist, misogynistic bullshit conversation. Ugh. Look, I'm not some bleeding heart liberal who can't appreciate the beauty of women. But, wait, wait, what? But this is, well, just wait until you wait, hear these. You're not some bleeding heart liberal that can't appreciate the beauty of women? Or even talk about it. You know, talk about, oh yeah, she's really good looking. She's, mm -hmm. I like her figure, whatever. Mm -hmm. But this goes beyond that. No, what I'm saying is, I'm not like, you know, oh, you, if you say, oh, she's really pretty, why does that matter? You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, you can, I could judge, I could judge that you are very beautiful. You are a good looking woman. You, I like the cut of your jib. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Thank you. But that, that doesn't put all of the value in there of you. That's mm -hmm. not all, the totality of your work. Okay, I get what you're, is I your, get it now. All right. Well, are you sure I don't need to? Keep. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure. Well, they're putting numbers on people. She's a six. She's a seven. Judging with great detail the minute parts of their body. This is him judging Nicolette Sheraton and, you know, being very unhappy with a certain part of her body. No, I think she's. I think she's a solid four. Oh okay, goodness. now she was a ten. What a drop off! What no, no, she was. She was a eight. They carry She wasn't a ten. Okay. She was an eight. You think? She was a from, nine. No, she went from being very flat chested. I view a a person who's flat chested is very hard to be a ten. Uh, okay. Right. I mean, it has to be extraordinary. You have to have the face of Vivian Lee to be a ten. Exactly. If you're flat chested. Okay. Uh, wants to be president. Of these United States. So something I'm curious about is how he thinks that he's qualified to be making such judgments about right, other people. Right. Because he has money. Has he looked in the mirror, though? Right. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of confused where he <laughs> thinks he has the ability to do this. Yeah, I don't know. I'm confused. Here in the same conversation, talking about Carmen Electra. Tell me about uh, Carmen Electra now. Um, is she still a 10? You see, I've never thought she was a 10. Really? Okay, in her heyday, I've never thought she was a 10. And I think Carmen is somebody who has unbelievable photogenic abilities. She really looks unbelievable in a picture. And then when you see her, first of all, she's unbelievably short. And mm -hmm. I'm a little bit surprised. I think that the, the boob job is terrible. You know, they look like two light bulbs coming out of a body. Give her a number, please. I would say she's an, an eight. An eight. Oh. Yeah, she's an eight. No, I'm talking Who about a person. ten. Who is if, the if ten? If I see a picture of Carmen Electra in the, in the you know, New York Post, right? She's a ten all the time. She right. Takes great. If I see her in person, she's a solid eight. Uh, he wants to have George Washington's job. 
Mm-hmm. He wants to hold the same position in this great nation as Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, it's that's a beautiful way to put it because that makes it particularly disturbing. This is fewer than 10 years ago, him talking about Rosie O'Donnell, who was a guest at his wedding. Into her. I mean, you'll be staring at her face to face. Look, what it would all you started, do? You know, she came to my wedding. Do you think you could beat her up? <laughs> I think it would be close. She's pretty, but you know, if she ever fell in the wrong direction, I wouldn't have a chance. She came to your wedding. She came to my wedding. Which one? Marla. No kidding. She was at the well, wedding, which and one? I got Marla. Angry because she ate almost the entire wedding cake. You know, I didn't get any wedding cake when I showed up. Well, there was nothing left. That's right. You were at that wedding too. Come to think of it, I you, don't remember her being there. You killed me at that wedding. I did. Yeah, at, after the wedding. Yeah. You said there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Yeah, I said it's not going to last more. So there he is talking beautifully, wonderfully very kind mannered man who wants to be president of the United States about a woman he invited to his wedding, Rosie O'Donnell. So there's only two more. This one is talking about a breast reduction surgery and how what it rendered the woman afterward. It's, isn't it unbelievable? Women, one woman, beautiful, had big, beautiful, real boobs, Go really ahead. beautiful. Right. And she wants them reduced. You got a breast reduction, Robin, right? Reduction, no. yeah. That should be against the okay. law. Do you agree? I think, to me, yes. I think anybody is insane if a woman is, okay, Robin, right. I hate to say No doctor should be allowed. And no, also, you know how they, they, they go after these abortion doctors? These doctors to be breast breast I don't know if you're happy with it, but I have never seen a good breast reduction. Well, the you scarring. Have the wrong doctors, because uh, I've seen that too, and the scarring is oh, a nightmare. I, I saw a woman. Robin? They're, they're hidden. Hidden scars. Really? Well, then yeah. you had a good doctor. Because. Yeah. I saw a woman who was totally beautiful. Right. She was angry that so many men were calling her. How dare they call me? It's terrible. They're all looking at my breasts. Yeah. So she had a major breast reduction. The good news, nobody calls her anymore. Right. It's just... It's just the same thing over and over again. I, I, there's right. no new reaction that I'm going to have. I mean, it's... <laughs> right. He's, he's, he's an asshole. Now, listen, this is one thing. If he goes on the show, Howard Stern is a provocateur. That's what he does. He's a great entertainer. But Is this what Barack Obama would do if he went on Howard Stern's show? Absolutely. No, can, he wouldn't you do picture, this. Can you picture Franklin Delano Roosevelt going on the program and talking like this? Can you picture Ronald Reagan or George W. Bush? It's like Pendulette says, we, we want someone better than us. Yes. We want someone who is above us. To be the president. Right. We want someone who is above this kind of behavior to be the president. That's just, it's, just, it's simple. Right. Well, in this final clip from a 2008 conversation, extols his belief that Michael Vick really, he got a raw deal. Because it wasn't a big deal with the dog fighting and the dog torturing and the dog killing. Yikes. Eh, not so much. Not a big deal. Yikes. Right. If I could get Michael Vick on The Apprentice for you, yeah. would you want I it? Like, I like that idea. You like it? You know, Michael Vick got a bad deal. <laughs> and you know what? You should Because make... you go to the South. Yeah. Go ahead. And I go to the South because I have deals. and They have dog things. These dog things are all over the place. Right. But they put legal. him in jail for the rest of his life. Right. I'm in the middle of his career. You feel... He, he no, they're just... not legal, but, but you know... They have them all over the place. The dog, what a fighting. Yeah, but he's an, an They have innocent. dog fighting, cock fighting, they have everything. Awesome. So that's a good rationale for a guy who wants to be president of the United States. Ah, eh, it's no big deal because they're all doing it.
awesome. So if you have a town that has a propensity toward child molestation, are you not going to prosecute because ah, there's a lot of them there. They're all doing it. Not a big deal. It's bullshit. It's disturbing. It really is scary. So this person was endorsed by Chris Christie. Yes, Chris Christie did just endorse him. Um, Jeff Sessions, Senator Jeff Sessions from Alabama. No shocker there. A governor, Chris Christie. That's right, yeah. Endorsed Donald Trump. Now, this is truly remarkable because Chris Christie's always been thought of as this tell it like it is. He doesn't care what people think. You know, flying off the handle, saying whatever he wants. And then he endorses Donald Trump? Yeah. What? Yeah. It really doesn't make any sense. I think there's a lot of people who are perplexed by the decision. Like, what is his end game here because it doesn't it doesn't jive it's clear he's looking for a job he's looking for something right of course because it, it just doesn't it doesn't mesh up with who he's been i don't know this entire situation is baffling it's he's jumped the shark um i'm almost looking forward to an official trump nomination because then i can just get on with supporting whoever i'm going to support and you know, making a move toward really spreading the word against this monster, Donald Trump. So Donald Trump has the same amount of endorsements as Bernie Sanders, actually. He has four endorsements. Mm-hmm. Two are from governors and two are from representatives. The other governor that has endorsed Donald Trump is the governor of Maine. Right. Who is... That guy's a, a fucking... He's a problem in and of himself. And Bernie Sanders has four representatives that are endorsing him. And that is good news because two of them are relatively recent. So, yeah. So let's, what do you say we wrap it up? I I would like to say before we do this that um, I know this was Trump heavy, the the Trumpiest episode we've done, but this stuff needs to be talked about. It's not getting coverage enough. I haven't heard about this Howard, these Howard Stern clips anywhere in the mainstream media nowhere it's being ignored well and same with the the kkk connection that didn't start being reported really until today right so it would be helpful if you you know share this episode share the links that we're putting on the facebook page of the buzzfeed article with the clips from howard stern of the of the links that we're sharing to the facebook page about this kkk stuff it's really important that people see these dangerous connections of what he wants to do to the first amendment how he's not distancing himself enough from the kkk and david duke and all of these things we can't have um a president just like the uh former president of mexico said no right Democracy he, can't let this happen. Even a foreigner <laughs> understands the sacred office that is the presidency. You know what I mean? Yes. He gets it more than these the, these voters of Donald Trump. I love the poorly educated. And listen, guys, I, I'm not one who solicits and go out there and like my video, go share my video. But this Donald Trump video I did, it really needs wider viewership because it is important. I play the robocall in it. I show Donald Trump being very dismissive about the the D- David Duke endorsement. It is very important that the rest of the country, the rest of the world, know this connection that Donald Trump is completely shying away from. So 
if you feel the spirit move you, <laughs> go ahead and do that. But let's wrap it up with a little asshole of today. Very fitting for this particular episode. It's the asshole of today. So there's a pastor out there named Stephen Anderson, who, who's the pastor of a, a church in Arizona somewhere. We've talked about him on the show before. He holds pernicious, hateful. He's talked about killing gays and the death penalty for homosexuals. And in this clip, he talks about believing in slavery. Well, because uh, the Bible. In the closing moments, let me just make this real clear. The Bible's right about everything, no matter what the subject. Okay. Oh, God. So if the Bible's always right about everything, then if the Bible says something for people like us that are Christians that believe the Bible, it's a case closed. Now, if the world out there says, well, I don't believe the Bible, fine. You don't have to believe the Bible. That's your prerogative. But to those of us who do believe the Bible, we know that the Bible is always right about every subject. And that's all the people that I'm trying to talk to right now. And... What we need to understand is that there are people out there who want, to, who want to basically judge the Bible or stand in judgment of the Bible. Now, isn't that ridiculous? I mean, how can the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? Or who are thou that repliest against God? Okay, so isn't it kind of silly for us to stand in judgment of God? But yet Christians do it all the time. People do it all the time. You know, a, here's a great example where... People will try to come at us, usually atheists or people like that. They'll come at us and say, well, the Bible is wrong because the Bible condones of slavery. We've all heard that before, right? But here's the thing about that. Is that if the Bible condones slavery, then I condone slavery. Because the Bible is always right about every subject. See, that's my starting point. Wow. So I don't have to be like, oh, man, I better figure out, you know, whether the Bible really condones slavery, you know, and, uh, you know. How is that funny? See, if I want to learn, if I want to learn what's right about what is the right opinion to have of slavery, then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, well, let me figure out what the Bible says about slavery. And that's what I believe. Whatever the Bible says about slavery is what I believe. Not like, well, let me make sure that what the Bible says about slavery is politically correct. And if it is, then I'll agree with it. You got it all wrong. You better go to the Bible and figure out what you should be believing about slavery based on what the Bible says. Because the Bible is right about everything. Period. So does this clip perfectly sum up why you left religion? I mean, does it perfectly capture it? It is, yeah. I mean, it's this is a lot of the a lot of the shit I was dealing with. This is him saying to them, "You don't need to think. You have it right here in front of you." The Bible is the answer to everything. Period. I don't need to panic and and say, "Oh, oh, is slavery is slavery wrong?" The Bible gives you an answer. That's it. You don't need to think about if it's politically correct. Right. Politically correct. What does politically correct have to do with anything? We're talking about a moral issue. Another awesome Trump voter. I love the poorly educated. (laughs) And, you know, 53% of the United States says that it is 
a belief in God is a requirement to be a moral person. Right. And then you have people like this who is speaking to a congregation of people who are agreeing with him. He has a church filled with people who are hanging on his every word. And this is this is horrific because you think that slavery is the easiest subject for people to look at in the Bible and question right. and say, why is the Bible talking about slavery and, and giving rules for slavery here? And if Donald Trump is president, he will do everything he can to make sure this guy has full political influence in our system, along with his tax-exempt status. It's absurd. It is absolutely absurd. If you would like to tweet at this guy, his Twitter handle is at S. Anderson. That's at S-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N 1611. At S. Anderson 1611. And just before we go, I want to say one thing, which is Hugh Hewitt asked a question at the debate this week about religious liberty. And he said that he is kept up at night for fear of losing his religious liberty. This pastor has the right to say this. He has the right to indoctrinate others into believing this. Brain dead, picklehead illiterate. He has the right to do that. He is safe to do that. Yeah. He can pass out pamphlets with these words. It is his constitutional right to he do so. He can do whatever he wants in terms of running his mouth with this bullshit. So yeah. that's freedom. He has religious liberty. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So you can rest your pretty little head in that nice hair that you have going on. Hugh Hewitt. Yeah. <laughs> and everything is fine because D-holes like this are free to speak without harm. D-holes No like harm this. coming to them. Absolutely. Well, with that, we are going to leave you. We appreciate your time. We appreciate you guys joining us, partnering with us to help us move the conversation forward episode after episode. You are the best. If you'd like to support the show other than listening twice a week or as often as you do, go to dollamore.com and on the left-hand side of the page, there's a support the show link at which you can find the Patreon link, you can find an Amazon link, you have the PayPal link if you'd like to donate that way. We love you. We appreciate all of your support. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. And I'm like, ah, it's on fire!